Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 10.58 a.m., January 10th, 2019, and this is Bitcoin and episode 50. Wow, 50 episodes. Man, I... God, that's kind of interesting. Okay, so uh, it was all my fault that the Bitcoin price crashed by coming back with Bitcoin and uh, yesterday. You know, we were sailing along pretty cool. You know, we were like, oh, drifting on the wave of $4,000 US. And here I come with coming back out of a, you know, a month hiatus of doing this whole, you know, from doing this whole thing and, I wake up this morning and boom, there's my 270 point drop. Man, that was ugly. Time for some coffee. All right. So again, I'm going to be taking it easy. I'm going to add back Marty's bent because I want to uh, read it to you guys. And uh, I have found an app, you know, an actual um, uh, daily, a good daily train wrecked. So we're going to do that, those things. But first, the morning roundup. So um, I'm only going to talk about one thing today, and that is Thor, God of Thunder, or whatever it is. Uh, we're not talking about the movie. We are talking about a service from BitRefill. Uh, so let's get straight into this thing. Um, we'll go ahead and start off with this um, article from Coindesk. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of Coindesk. They have been... Uh, since the first of the year, they've put out some pretty stupid things, but um, and then they they dragged up somehow or another. They were able to find the dude that that coined the term "hodl" uh, from his whiskey fueled misspelling rant on Reddit some years back, and tried to spell "hold," but spelled it "h o d l." So instead of "hold," we ended up with "hodl," and that's been a, a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency meme forever. And they dragged his ass up, and he proceeded to crap all over Bitcoin because it's changed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to a crappy trader that goes on a whiskey fueled rant on Reddit, accidentally coins a, a meme that is used widely, and all of a sudden. He's got some kind of street cred. Well, you know what? No. So bad on Coindesk for that. But they do have a story on BitRefill's Thor. So let's get into it. And this is from Lee Quinn, C-U-E-N, writing as of yesterday, January 9th, 2019 for Coindesk. And I like Lee. She's She's actually one of the better ones up there. So let's start. Stockholm-based startup BitRefill now offers a way to mitigate Bitcoin's expensive learning curve for new users. Revealed exclusively to Coindesk, BitRefill, sorry, BitRefill's new Thor 
service allows people to give lightning channels to someone else with no setup on the recipient side. Lightning was created to allow cheaper off-chain Bitcoin payments. Bit refills John Carvalho told Coindesk, quote, Thor allows people to connect to the Lightning Network whether they have Bitcoin or not. All you have to do is download one of the supported wallet apps, install it, and then either you or a friend can come to BitRefill and purchase a channel opening. Typically, this is how Lightning works. Someone has to set up a channel between two parties and deposit enough Bitcoin to hold it open. Users can only send as much money as the channel's capacity supports. What Thor allows users to do is outsource the technical work for opening a channel, which can be paid for with Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Dash, or Dogecoin. BitRefill will then maintain active channels for 30 days. Quote, the idea here is to be able to allow everyone to get on the Lightning Network and running a hot wallet, Carvalho said. Quote, there's still a lot of lightning development left to go and a lot of convenience that is needed, so it's not so intimidating to get into lightning. After more than a year of experimenting with lightning payments, this 12-person startup has allowed people to pay phone and cable bills and use the network for a variety of other transactions, totaling 3,760 completed orders. The first week of 2019 alone saw 105 new orders. The company says, according to 1ml.com, BitRefill is one of the top five organizations increasing global lightning channel capacity, which now hovers above $2 million USD across the network. Carvalho said overall lightning usage is growing steadily, adding, quote, as far as giving Bitcoin enthusiasts a way to onboard other people and teach them about lightning, I think Thor will be a good tool. Thor works with several free wallet apps such as LND Wallet. Users can scan the QR code on the Thor page provided while paying for the service, then copy and paste script all without needing to deal with the raw command line themselves. Anton and people, there is absolutely no way I am going to pronounce this gentleman's last name without butchering it. K-U-M-A-I-G-O-R-O-D-S-K-I-Y. I'm not even going to attempt. A developer for the Bitcoin Lightning Wallet that also integrated directly with Thor told Coindesk this service could help boost Lightning usage. He said at least 3,204 users have installed the Bitcoin Lightning Wallet app on their phone so far. New possibilities. Opening an incoming payment channel is something which was not possible for mobile Lightning Network users before, the gentleman said. And we're talking about the guy's name that I cannot pronounce. But now anyone can install a fresh wallet, order an incoming channel, and start receiving Lightning payments right away. All things considered, Lightning usage is poised to continue growing in 2019. This Bitcoin scaling solution burst onto the scene with user-friendly beta software less than one year ago, and yet already a comparison of 1ml.com statistics to ethnodes, or sorry, ethernodes.org, which tallies nodes for the second largest cryptocurrency network, reveals there are roughly half as many Lightning nodes as there are unique Ethereum nodes, more than 5,215. However, when it comes to Lightning-enabled payments competing with traditional fiat methods, the gentleman's name, said he is a bit skeptical. For now, the gentleman's name said he still thinks professional traders have the most to benefit from using this nascent technology. 
Uh, it will take quite a bit of experimentation before Lightning services are ready for a high volume of low-value payments for mainstream users. Speaking of his own hopes for Lightning growth in 2019, Carvalho added, quote, The more these services are working, live, and tested, the more this will become a majorly used network that people can transact on. And that's going to do it for that uh, Coindesk article. So going over to BitRefill's website, let's just get a little bit of a skinny on uh, what BitRefill themselves say in their description of it. And you can get this at bitrefill.com forward slash Thor hyphen lightning hyphen network hyphen channels. Thor, lightning channel opening service. As the lightning network grows in capacity, we are doing our best to take advantage of its capabilities and offer utilities that Bitcoiners can take advantage of. Thor allows you to open private channels with our well-connected lightning node on demand with custom capacities. 300,000 to 16 million Satoshis. What is Thor? This service will let anyone get an empty Lightning channel opened to them from BitRefill's node on the Lightning Network. Now anyone can pay for or gift the ability to have a channel opened to a Lightning wallet, allowing them to receive payments over Lightning at any time. Why do I need Thor? If someone looking to receive If someone is looking to receive Bitcoin as tips or other earnings, this is a quick and easy tool to get started. BitRefill's node is highly highly interconnected in the Lightning Network. Thor allows anyone to receive coins on Lightning with an app and a link, even if they don't have any Bitcoin yet. What are the limitations? Each Thor channel will be kept open on our side for 30 days, potentially longer if there's activity on it. The reason for this limitation and why this service comes at a cost, it ain't free people, is that opening an empty channel requires us to lock up our Bitcoin into your channel and keep them there. So you can go on and there's instructions on exactly how to do it. It, um, From a technical communication aspect, this actually looks like it's uh, well thought out. This comes with pictures and everything so that it makes it a little bit easier. And, um, yeah, that's kind of cool. So the, the breakdown, it, it looks like they have, uh, five different flavors and the bottom of it is 300,000, uh, Satoshi capacity. And for that capacity, you will pay 0.0000289 BTC, which is pretty cheap. Uh, I'd tell you the USD price, but with fluctuations going like they are, it's kind of not, if you got BTC, then just look at it as BTC. Stop converting it into dollars and whatnot. So it's going to cost you for 300,000 Satoshi capacity, 0.000289 BTC. The highest capacity is 16 million, and you're going to pay 0.005775 BTC, which is actually still pretty damn cheap. And then there are three uh, levels in between 8 million, 2 million, and 500,000 Satoshi uh, capacities. So, man, totally cool. Um, Now, why? Well, for the uninitiated, Lightning Network is a network that sits atop the Bitcoin network. And 
instead of me giving somebody, you know, Bitcoin on the main chain, which is a final settlement layer, that means if I want to buy, like if I want to buy a house from you, I am damn well going to do that on the main chain. I want to make sure that thing is settled. I want to make sure that thing has been settled for an hour. I want to make sure that it has at least six confirmations, which is about an hour. I want to make sure that we all understand that I paid X number of Bitcoin and you give me the deed to your house. And we do that in a manner that is public and uh, notarized and the whole ball of wax. If I want to buy a beer from you, I don't want to settle it on the main chain. It's re- that's ridiculous. I'm not going to wait an hour for a beer. Okay, so the Lightning Network makes it to where I can tie up some liquidity into a Lightning channel. I can open a channel with Bob or something who's selling a beer, and I can say, Bob, I will I will send you on the Lightning Network, not on the main Bitcoin network, but on the Lightning Network, I will send X amount of Bitcoin to you, and you give me the beer. That is actually hits the lightning wallet within seconds. It's like a credit card transaction. After Bob has sold 500 beers in like, let's say a month, um, at one point or another, he's going to need to cash that out. So he's going to settle, he's going to close that channel on the lightning network. And the minute that that channel closes or Bob decides to close that channel, what happens is that all of the capacity in that in that lightning channel goes away because the channel's closed and it ends up settling in his Bitcoin wallet on the main chain. And after one hour, that's pretty much locked in. No one's going to be able to reverse that puppy dog. And to tell you the truth, um, they're not going to really be able to reverse it after the first confirmation. I mean, and even more seriously than that, how many people have the technical know-how to actually go through and reverse somebody's Bitcoin transaction before the first confirmation is made? That that takes some fairly specialized knowledge. So keep your Bitcoin transactions to yourself. Don't tell anybody that you're going to buy a house for 15 Bitcoin um, on a certain day at a certain time in a, with a certain wallet. And you'll probably, you'll probably be okay. But getting back to Bob, Bob now has his $500 or 500 beers worth of Bitcoin chilling out in his wallet. And he, he can like go to Coinbase or whatever and cash it in for USD and pay his, his people if they're not smart enough to accept Bitcoin directly, in which case Bob has a real chance of not having to pay uh, payroll taxes. So go figure. Anyway, the cool thing about this being from BitRefill is that BitRefill is a fairly large company, right? And they have a fairly large amount of liquidity. What you're really doing here is you're renting their liquidity. And that's important. People that are going to make make these technologies more available are not just the people that are building the tools, the other side of that story is the, the uh, from the people that are building the tools are the people that are going to provide liquidity upon those tools. Because without liquidity, you ain't moving nothing. All right, so that's going to do it for... Oh, yeah, well, okay. One other thing about the uh, um, this particular service, uh, you can go to Google Play. I'm not really thrilled about Google Play right now because of something we'll get into later, but... 
Uh, they do link to the Bitcoin Lightning Wallet from Anton, the gentleman's name, last name that I cannot pronounce. He is the one who built the uh, Bitcoin Lightning Wallet, and it is available, and it's plug-and-play with the uh, Bit Refill service that we just talked about. So there you go. Uh, let's go ahead and move on into uh, Marty's Bent. Okay, this is uh, Marty's Bent for Thursday, January the 10th, 2019. This is issue number 395, Free Speech Money. So we're, he, well, he's going to be talking about the Samurai Wallet tweet that uh, happened a couple of days ago. And I was, I saw this thing when it first came over the line and was kind of sad about it too. But so it, it's a, Samurai Wallet has a, has a thread on Twitter and you can go see it at Samurai Wallet, all one word. Um, and it, um, it, it basically, it says this, I'm going to read the first one cause it says everything sad, but true. Google play is forcing us to remove stealth mode, SMS commands and SIM switch defense features as they transition to becoming more of a walled garden. Despite the fact that these features have proven, have a proven record of helping users transact safely. And so let's, let's see what, uh, old Marty has to say about it. Here's an unfortunate yet unsurprising event that happened earlier this week. Samurai wallet was forced to remove their stealth mode, SMS commands and SIM switch defense features from their app. If they wanted to keep it on the Google Play Store, these features aim to bring privacy and security to users who desperately need them, especially if they are trying to buy necessities, preserve wealth stealthily while living under authoritarian regimes and protect themselves from the incompetencies of their cell phone service providers. All features that I think rational humans can agree are net benefits for society and individual liberty. The company that brought you Don't Be Evil and whose browser I'm using to type this rag, is overtly enabling evil by denying people these utilities. This story in particular is running parallel to another which has been gaining traction on the web and real estate in my mind this week, the growing crescendo of framing Bitcoin as free speech money, as an entry point for people trying to understand Bitcoin for the first time. The framing made popular this week after this tweet from Gab.com, and he's got a uh, he's got a link into it. Basically, Gab uh, sent out a uh, this is me talking. Uh, Gab.com sent out to their eight hundred and fifty thousand users uh, a brief letter, a brief email uh, describing Bitcoin and framing it as this quote unquote free speech money. So anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, the framing made popular this week after this tweet from Gab.com has been around for a while, but has never been used as effectively. The shunning of some content creators across the web has pushed a mass of people into Bitcoin's arms as they have no other choice at this juncture. We're seeing the, sa- we're seeing the game theory behind Bitcoin play out beautifully as it is truly the only option some people have in a world dominated by a banking and payment system that acts as a giant gatekeeper deciding who and who cannot conduct commerce with each other. The crazy thing about Bitcoin, Bitcoin's game theory, is that it benefits either way. If governments and gatekeepers continue to censor payments and speech, 
people will be pushed into Bitcoin, benefiting the network. If they try to attack Bitcoin, it proves it's something worth attacking, highlighting the value of the network. If they decide it may be a valuable asset to hold on their balance sheet, Bitcoin benefits. Bitcoin has anti-fragility embedded into its DNA. With all that being said, I'd like to draw your attention back to the problem our friends at Samurai find themselves in. There is a long way to go before the idea of Bitcoin mass adoption comes to fruition. Not only do we need to figure out how to scale the protocol and ensure long-term decentralization, but we also have to re-architect the infrastructure that allows people to access apps that make it easy to acquire and utilize Bitcoin. People are so accustomed to the easy UX flows of centralized services that are so easily throttled when pressured. Decentralized file storage services and similar apps need to become more pervasive in the mainstream. Essentially, the mindset of the public needs to change. While the hacking of Equifax, Facebook, Target, Marriott, and or insert incompetent data silo honeypot here be enough to awaken people to the fact that they may need to think about data security more seriously. Let me say that again. Think about data security more seriously. That was me, by the way. Doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it up to this point. Maybe more of these need to happen before people begin to take action. Will people get fed up of the fiat system and turn to the sound money system, which is Bitcoin? It looks as if a good amount of current Bitcoin users are in it for this reason. Will introducing Bitcoin as quote-unquote free speech money to a material demographic that is currently being shunned by the political and financial elite be effective? I think we are getting the answer to this question in real time. It will be interesting to reflect on this particular framing a year from now. Final thought, nothing more cringe-inducing than thinking about barefoot, low-tide muck walking in the bay. Oh, 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 man, muck walking. Oh, that's just disgusting. Okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Well, let's kind of pull this apart a little bit. I mean, you've got several people that have been deplatformed. Um, and, and here's what's, here's the funny thing. I, you know, usually on, on Twitter, you'll find me at one point or another calling the death of the gatekeepers. Um, for the most part, the gatekeepers are all dead as far as entry into media. For instance, I'm doing this, I'm doing this from a, like a, a room in my house in the middle of nowheresville, USA, because I got a freaking interconnect internet connection, a computer and a microphone. All right. I have access to SoundCloud, which is where this stuff goes before it gets spread out all over hither and yon to like iTunes and whatever else, Stitcher and, and all the other platforms. But at one point or another, if I start saying stuff that might be difficult for people to, I don't know, stomach insofar as politically incorrect, or maybe I start misgendering people. I don't know. I mean, I could even be doing half this crap on accident. Don't even know about it. Next thing I know, I get a letter from SoundCloud saying they're deplatforming me. Oh, I got, you know, well, at that point, I I have places to go. I, I, I can go get hosted by somebody else in a more decentralized fashion. In my mind, I don't think I'm saying a whole lot of stuff that would be misgendering people or pissing the the 
the snowflakes off to the point that they gripe to the point that I get deplatformed. But even if that were to happen, media wise, I got places to go. The gatekeepers that are not quite dead yet, a la Monty Python, if you get the reference, um, are payment processors, PayPal, um, BitPay, uh, Visa, MasterCard. I mean, for the first time that I've never heard of this before, but for the first time that I've ever heard it last year when MasterCard, and I can't remember who it was, I can't remember the name, but it was somebody who they find disagreeable, MasterCard decided to cut off their payments. So there you go. The, those are really the only get, gatekeepers that are left in the world that make a damn bit of difference are payment processors, and they are under siege. I don't think that they realize it because they, you know, they're going, I guarantee you they're going around going, yeah, this will never affect us. Yeah, neither does syphilis until you get it, pal. So be careful of where you stick your power because you may just get infected with something that you will not survive. I do believe that Bitcoin is this actual virus. I do believe it's going to kill a great number of gatekeepers, and we will walk across a field strewn about with the dead gatekeepers that thought that they were invincible. And with that, you can find Marty Bent at Marty's Bent on Twitter, and we will read another Marty's Bent when Marty Bent decides to sit down and write another Marty's Bent. Otherwise, let's move on to Daily Trainwreck. Okay, Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by Suzu, at Z-H-U-S-U on Twitter. He tweets with a nice little graphic, Big volume today on Tron XRP pairs on Binance. Looks like some Tron profit-taking directly into Ripple as safe haven. Oh. It's a shitcoin pair, people. I mean, like as if Ripple XRP wasn't bad enough all by itself. As if Tron, in this case, TRX is the ticker symbol, wasn't bad enough, God, just all by itself. No, 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 no. No, we have these two piles of garbage as a trading pair, as a trading pair. Please let that sink in so that you can go from one pile of garbage profit-taking into some supposed safe haven of another pile of garbage. It, it just boggles, boggles, boggles the mind as to why anyone at all would play around with either one of these things. Okay, so... Um, Sorry for the use of the term SC, but there's just no other way to put it. I'm not going to call it a crap coin because it really is worse than that and actually takes the full-blown term shit coin. So with that, uh, that that was your daily train wrecked.
Okay, people. So again, I got to make my apologies for crashing the Bitcoin market. It was completely all my fault. You can blame me. Um, if you want to yell at me about it, get a hold of me on Twitter at B E N N D seven seven. That is Ben D seven seven. And uh, you can tell me about how it's all my fault and that your college kids, you know, your kids' college fund is now burning in a dumpster fire out back. And apparently I've destroyed all the marmots in history. Uh, Preston Byrne reference, if uh, for any of you got insider guys. Yes, it is all my fault. Go ahead and take it out on me. Go to Twitter, follow me. Um, uh, just, just let me have it, man, because it was my fault. I shouldn't, I should have waited till today to do the first Bitcoin and back from the Christmas break, but I didn't, I jumped a gun and now we're looking at damn near a a 10% drop to we're looking at $3,620 and minus 9.53% drop from yesterday. And again, I did it. It's all my fault. Nobody else did it. Nobody has the power that I have. I did it. Yeah. Okay. So whatever. Nature hates me. Go figure. Anyway, uh, don't don't tie your wagon to this horse uh, because I'll just end up killing you and, and getting you all wrecked and stuff. So with that all said, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.